On this edition of Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live, we're continuing the conversation of Tupac's death with the authors of his book who did all this investigative journalism. Next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking Into. Yes, there we go. Little Tupac in the house, of course. We're talking about him. Welcome to Breaking Into. I'm your host, James Lodge Jr. You can follow me at Black Hope LA at B-L-A-K Hope LA on Twitter, James Lodge Jr. everywhere else. And we have a Breaking Into Facebook page, just Breaking Into, where we list all that's going on on the show, and we also list our episodes on there too. So that was really good. So I decided to bring back someone who is one of my highest rated episodes because the conversation was so strong and you guys completely continued the conversation on the YouTube page, I had to bring him back and bring back his writing partner of the book, Tupac 187, The Red Knight. I have RJ Bond and Michael Douglas Carlin. Hey, hey. Pleasure to be here. Hi, you guys. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome on. Thanks. Glad to see you guys today. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to continue the conversation about Tupac. It was Tupac and Biggie's, which you guys talked about, but we're going to talk mainly about Tupac, obviously, on this one. Um, and continue that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just first talk to you a little bit because I, we, got, we got background on you, of course, but on you. So how did you come to this project? You know, I was working on a humanitarian project trying to free somebody from prison in Thailand. Oh, wow. And I was working with uh, Russell's aunt and uncle, and they said, hey, you got to re- meet Russell Poole. Oh, wow. And so, you know, they put me in touch with him. I talked to him four or five times on the phone. Yeah. And then finally, we all decided we were going to get together and meet, and we decided we were going to write a book together. And wow. R.J. Russell and I got together in Venice, wow. and that's how this whole project started. And I was, I have to say, yes. I mean, these guys talked about all these names and all this stuff, yeah. and I was, I, I was lost. Yeah, I'm because sure. it's just so many details and I was like what <laughs> and then Russell arranged for me to go over and meet with Chris Blanchford the journalist yeah and I went over and met with Chris and I when I was at that meeting I got a copy of the letter and he told me the story wow. about where the letter came from wow. and we all decided we were gonna write a book together and wow. it took about well about a year about a year yeah but all that information that was out there, I mean, I'm, I'm actually shocked that it took a year. I mean, I don't think it would take longer because there's so much stuff and it was always changing. Wasn't it always changing while you were doing the book? Well, I wouldn't say it was always changing. I mean, but it, but our perception changed. Mm, okay. And we had all of Russell's case files from when wow. he was at the LAPD. Wow. And some of those documents he hadn't looked at for years. Wow. So we pulled them out, we went through them, each single document in context of the confession letter. Got it. And it changed the entire perception. It changed RJ's perception, and it changed Russell's perception to the point that he felt bad that he had blamed Suge for Tupac's murder, and he wanted to apologize to Suge because he had been so vocal. Yeah. Now, have you written books before? Have you done writing before? Was this your first one? Or? So I wrote a book called uh, Rise of the Night. I wrote another one called A Prescription for Peace, another one called Peaceful Protests. Okay. So I'm kind of more in the activism space. I love it. love it. And, you know, and, and I really relate to the activist in Tupac. And I think if the fans really became activists and demanded that something happen on these murders, that we would see something happen. And until somebody really gets uh, angry and noisy about this, nothing is going to happen. Like we were talking about last time too, it's 20 years. Yeah. 20 years, 20 years. That's too long, 20 years, come on. Well, yeah, right? to put it in perspective, you've got kids that were 10 when it happened, or mm-hmm. 30 now. I know, that's crazy. So anybody younger than 30 
would have you know all of this would seem to be new information it would be yeah. new to them because they weren't around as these things were breaking at right. the time right it's, it's also new. I mean, and also when you get older, you have a better perspective, kind of things too. You hear things when you're a kid, and you may not really get what it means. But as you get older now, you know, like, oh, that's what that meant. Well, that's what this means now. So you see it in a whole new way, right? Oh my goodness. Um, now, when you guys decide to sit down, because I talked to you a little about, but for you, what was your what was your main goal in this in the partnership writing partnership? Michael. Well, I, I think the main goal was to write a compelling book and to figure out, actually all of us agreed that no matter what, we were going to follow the truth wherever it led. Okay. And that was one of the early agreements. Okay. When I first sat down with both uh, RJ and Russell, they were telling me that Suge was behind the murder. Wow. And as we started to pour through yeah. all these case files, we started to realize that that wasn't the case. Wow. And so it was, I, I would say, a much bigger thing for Russell because when, I mean, Russell was very vocal yeah. about this. Yeah. He was on that movie Tupac and Biggie, and oh, he yeah. was telling yeah. everybody that Suge was behind it, and he was shaking his finger at Suge. And, <laughs> you know, and for, it, it seemed natural, right? Of course, you think Suge, not you thinking, yeah, possibly. Of course. Yeah, of I course. mean, you know, who, who wouldn't believe it? Yeah. And Suge loved to have his reputation grow. I mean, <laughs> have you ever tried to dangle somebody over a balcony? You know, great. Right. <clears throat> yes. You know, I mean, it's it's not easy. It's you know, And, and so that clearly yeah. didn't happen, but he yeah. let the those rumors grow. Oh yeah, he didn't care. Because, yeah. Well, no, he wanted them out there. Right. It, it grew. Right. The legend of Suge Knight grew, and so yeah. even the the thing about you know Tupac, you know that Suge was, he was man enough to be in the car at the same time and get you know kill Suge, kill Tupac. I mean, yeah. you know it was a legend that just kept growing, and now of course, you know Suge sitting in. L.A. County Jail right yes. now, and, uh, and yes. you know he wishes that his legend wasn't as big as it is, yeah. because that's caused him problems with his current legal troubles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's just, yeah, he's he's somebody he's somebody who you know is just he is larger than life. Not only he's a big guy, but he's like he's also just larger than life. It's just it's a, it's amazing out of the hip hop field that we have characters like that that are larger than life. Yeah. That is to transcend. Now, did you ever listen to hip hop music or anything? Were you ever were you familiar with? The genre. Or, I mean, were you? So my or? my son was a big okay. Tupac fan, okay. and we were on this trip. We were driving from El Paso, Texas, to Kingman, Arizona. Okay, which is, I mean, have you ever been? Yes, on I a have. Trip like that? <laughs> yes, nothing, nothing boring. Yeah. Yes. So an hour out, all of a sudden, you know, who's going to control the <laughs> stereo <laughs> becomes the issue. Yes, and he says, "Dad, you're going to. I'm not listening to rock and roll." And I said, well, I'm not listening to rap. Okay. And I mean, it was, you know, but yes. we're an hour in and it's going to be a long <laughs> ride. So we better figure something out. Yes. And we decided that he was going to play me a song that he thought would stand the test of time. Mm. And he was going to explain to me why he thought it would stand the test of time. I like that. Okay. And then I would play him a song that I thought would stand okay. the test of time. And he became a rock and roll fan and I became a Tupac fan. Very good. What rock and roll songs do you do you remember what song you played him for like first or early on in the trip? Do you remember? I mean, I, you know, I I can think of like Hotel California okay, was yeah. one of the ones okay, that I grew up yeah. with and you know, some of the early the, the 70s stuff, the 80s yeah. stuff. Okay, I just got so scared. That's good. That's great. I'm, I'm a big Eagles fan. You know, I'm a big Super Tramp fan. Super Tramp, I'm a Super Tramp. Yes, I do. Uh, yes. So, I mean, you know, I, I inflicted all of that on him. Yeah. <laughs> My parents did it for me, too, and I loved it. I loved all that music. I was a 70s kid. I loved all that stuff. So, it was great for me. Yeah. Um, I, I like that story, actually. That's a great story. So, when you guys met up, was it instant, just like 
chemistry instant like yes we're united instantly on this on this story for you guys or did you like i don't like this guy who is he i mean how did, I mean, how did it start <laughs> it wasn't like that um you know I, I i tell you the one thing that that i've always liked about michael is is that when when you meet somebody you get an initial vibe and then you let it sit for a while mm -hmm. and the nice thing about it is if it sits for a while and it doesn't change from your initial vibe usually it's a good sign and and that was the thing with Michael and the one thing that I can get if I could describe Michael in one word it's gravitas mm -hmm. it's let's distill it down to its bare bones mm -hmm. I am anybody that knows me knows and from our last interview yes. know, you know I can be very verbose and I can be very descriptive <laughs> and a little dramatic yes. what's nice about a collaboration with Michael is that he's able to kind of round those sharp edges mm -hmm. yeah. and bring it down into digestible chunks um this is a, a a huge investigation so many players so many things and stories about each one that could go on for hours by yeah. themselves any a single yeah. element of it and so you know just pick one facet yeah but what the thing about michael was what he was able to do and he actually did so in the conversation with russ and i you know at the beach we sat across a nice cafe at the beach yeah and, nice. yeah it's nice and and uh and, but when Michael was able to feed back to us what we were telling him, it immediately came back distilled. Hmm. And that's what you need. I think one of the first cuts of the book, pass of the book, was like 650 pages. Ooh, it was the war and peace. It was like this. <laughs> yeah. and it's a doorstopper. It was, wasn't it? It was. It looked like the phone book. I mean, it was like that. And, and so, and Michael had his work cut out for him because yeah. really, through many, I mean, just hours of phone calls and being in each other's houses yeah. and just yeah. this constant, you know, uh, dialogue, you know, we were able to, you know, chip, 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 chip. Mm -hmm. And some chips were harder than others. They're a little more painful than others to make. Mm -hmm. But, I'm sure. you know, as you learn from doing, you know, doing the documentaries that are yeah. done in it, that you, you turn to, you, you don't be in love with your product. Mm -hmm. Don't fall in love with it. If you do, it's the tragic mistake. Yeah, so yeah. so that that's the way I can explain Michael. So for me, it, that's that was what it was about. Michael yeah. brought a sense of truth and a, a sense of gravi gravity, gravitas, truth, he brought that to to the book, and and that it showed. And how do you feel? In this well, and there was a huge wrestling process that went on between all three of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't always friendly. I'm sure, right? Because you passionate. Know, I'm sure it's passionate. It was always passionate, and mm -hmm. and you know, you have, you know, attitudes and <laughs> and what have you, and and egos. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. Because no, we're sure. you know three big egos. In the mm -hmm. same room, I'm and sure. at the same time, then you also have somebody that's believed something for twenty years, oh. and you know, as it starts to peel away and, and and starts to become something else, it's hard to let go of that stuff. I'm sure, right? And then as you start to see it, and it becomes so clear, yeah, it's like you know he could no longer. And I'm talking about Russell. Yeah, he, he could no longer hold on to this Shug thing. Wow. And that so, must have been really hard for him. You saw how hard it was for him to let I, that go. I watched him struggle with that. I wow. watched him battle with that. Wow. And, you know, the, especially the last year of his life. Yeah. The last year of his life, he really struggled wow. with that. And we continued to investigate even after Tupac 187 came out. And we had yeah. an audience of one. We had an ear at the district attorney's office. Wow. And we were really trying to get uh, arrests and convictions. Wow. And so, you know, we just kept boiling down the information because Tupac 187 was too many words and mm -hmm. too hard to read, you know, for for a district attorney to make an arrest yeah. based on. Yeah. So we had to boil it down to 45 Tupac murder facts. Wow. 
And once we did that, then they were very interested in the case. And I think we actually came as close as, as anybody's yeah. ever come to reopening this case wow. based on uh, Chaos Merchants. Was It's what it yeah. became. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And can you can you guys name a couple of the, the 45 facts? Not all 45, of course, you know, but just like, uh, what are a couple of the facts that, you, that you've uncovered? Well, I, I, think, I think one of the biggest facts is something that RJ uncovered, and that was Michael Moore standing next to the head of Death Row Security hearing Gotham come over Ooh. that guy's Ooh. radio right yeah. at the time of the shooting. And then a second voice comes on and says, don't say nothing over the radio. And cover so, up, cover up. That was a moment. Yeah, and that, that was something RJ uh, uncovered. And, wow. and I mean, it's a huge fact. It is a huge fact. That's great. Because that now says conspiracy. That says that there's, okay, so we know at least there's a shooter because somebody mm-hmm. got shot. And now there's two people on the radio and a third person that's yeah. that's getting something over the radio. So now we've got at least four people. That's conspiracy. Wow. Wow. And the big thing about Michael Moore um, that really... I got to bring home because now that he's dead, yeah. Frank Alexander's dead, Russ yeah. Poole's dead. They're all dying. Yeah. Well, there are there are camps out there that are taking a lot of liberty and freedom now to call them liars, to call them uh, yes, people that's, of yes, no that's, credibility, yeah. and and of course it's always easy to take cheap shots at the dead. They're not here to defend right. themselves. Right. But the one thing about Michael Moore that I have to get out there and make it really clear is that Michael Moore did not like Tupac. He didn't mm. like him. He didn't like him at all. Uh, and and the reason why, you know, the, the, we know what the reasons were, but at the end of the day, you've got a guy that's willing to go on camera and state what he had to say about the facts and the case and the got him. He had no motivation to do that. There was no motive for him to lie. There was no reason for yeah. him to lie. Yeah. Uh, you know, and especially if those lies falsely indicted someone that could reprise against him. Yeah. Why would you do that for someone you don't even like? True. And so that was the selling point for me because he had no motive. I mean, there, if he was yeah. good buddies with him and Tupac and wanted to get revenge or yeah. say something that would be dramatic, but no, this guy didn't even like him. So right. when you have somebody who didn't like him, was still willing to stand up and say something. How could you say that guy was lying? Yeah, it right. just it doesn't it hold any water. It's not credible. Yeah. Now I asked him last time for you. Did you get nervous at, as you went along in the research and investigation? Just because it was this was some you know these people who were killing people and shooting and stuff, would you ever feel like, oh, I'm not sure I'm actually going to get into this more? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say nervous, but let's just face it. I mean, we definitely take security precautions and mm-hmm. doing things and, you know, mm-hmm. things. When Russell passed away, I didn't stay in my apartment for, oh, wow. yeah, for three weeks, and then I went off wow. to China for a month. I mean, yeah, 100%. Wow, wow but you're so passionate about this story. You was like, I'm not giving it up. I'm still passionate about this story, and I still want to follow a path. Even in, in the face of that stuff like that. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, you know, it, it really is about two people who are extremely high profile. And if high profile people can't get justice, yeah. then what chance do we have as human beings, mm-hmm. as Americans, to get justice? And so to me, this is like a seminal case that we must solve. Yeah. And we must solve this for Tupac, for Biggie. We must solve mm-hmm. these two cases because this is about what America is going to be next year and the year after and what we want to leave for our kids and for our grandkids Mm -hmm. and justice can't just be a word it actually has to have some meaning and so we really want to see arrests and convictions and and that was another thing russell literally 
he gave all of his uh, energy to this to his dying breath wow. on this case he was he was with the sheriffs talking about this case oh my God. when he passed away oh, wow. that's amazing that's amazing I mean, he that was, that was his thing too he really wanted to get this worked out also well, Russell didn't care about books or movies right. and that. He was in them and it was incidental. Yeah. He didn't care about books or movies. And because I know this, because there was plenty of opportunities for him to do interviews that I watched him turn down. Right. Uh, he would Even news stations would call him and he wouldn't do the interview. And when he would talk to people, he wasn't talking to do an interview for a movie or a book. He was doing a an interview to close a case. Yeah. That was yeah. everything he was about, was closing the case. I don't think I asked you this last time. I'll ask you both this question. So when the book, done, it's printed, and it's released, what were some of your first... When you, when you sent it out to the people, how did you feel? Do you remember well, how you I mean, felt? Certainly there's a, you know, a relief that uh, finally, you know, this project that we've yes. been wrestling over <laughs> and struggling <laughs> over and... Yeah. You know, and, and, and in some cases arguing over the direction of the yeah. of the case between the three of us. Yeah. And finally we, you know, get on a path and we are able to get the thing completed. Yeah. There was a tremendous sense of accomplishment at getting it finished yeah. and getting it released. Yeah. But then there was also uh, a ton of new clues pouring oh in. God, like, and people, it's not done. It's not done. It's not done. That was people a, reaching out to us yeah. and still reaching out to us. I mean, every day in my email oh my I get... God countless emails from people and RJ gets the same thing oh and we share some of the this information yeah. with each other and we we shake our heads and oh some of the some of the little details are starting to put together the puzzle pieces wow. and we think we pretty much know what happened I mean let's face wow. it yeah. it's, can it, we say or are you wait for another book to do that do you think we don't mean you say well, we think of or, yeah. or how do we want to proceed yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I I'm very convinced at what what I believe happened that night, okay. and I I think you know they they wanted to kill Suge, they wanted okay. to take the record label, and Tupac was a, was a bonus. He was in the car too. Yeah. He had 200 songs in the vault, and yeah. you know we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about a half a billion dollars. We're not yeah. talking about grocery money no, right. where you go to the grocery store. I mean, right. that's when you say it's about money, it doesn't really paint the picture. Right. Mm -hmm. We're talking about enough money to change people's families for many, many generations. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. and 20 year old adjusted dollars. Right. Oh, right, right, all right. Okay. right. Um, you know, I, I piggybacking with, with that, um, when you look at the belief you ask you know what do we believe I said I say this all the time when we put our information out it doesn't it doesn't matter what we believe mm -hmm. it's really what you believe we put the information out okay. there and again you know because that's the whole thing is you know oh Michael Carlin's crazy RJ Bond's crazy we're crazy so we're crazy <laughs> take the short crazy train yeah right. but it doesn't matter what I believe and I'm not here to tell you to believe what I believe Take what information we have and make it make sense for you as a reader, as a viewer, right. because I don't want you to believe what I believe. I want you to believe the truth. And if what I happen to believe is the truth and what we believe is the truth, mm -hmm. and you come to that same conclusion, then we're, we're in a better situation. But I don't want this to be about what we believe I, you know, there are people that make it about that. This is what, you know, R.J. Bond believes or this is what Michael believes. 
uh, it's not like that. It, it, for 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 me, it doesn't matter what I believe. It it just doesn't matter. It's about the facts. It's about the truth. It's about what makes sense. And Kathy Scott, the author of *The Killing of Tupac Shakur*, she said in an interview that we did the truth just makes sense. And so it you're, the, you're the presenters. You're the presenters and say, "Here's what we found." Right. Here you go. Right. right. And and it's not with the we solved it. Right. It's right. it's not about us. And you know anybody that steps up and says, "I solved it. I <laughs> I I concluded. I did it. We figured it yeah, out. Right. We did this." It, then, it, then it's not about the investigation no. anymore. It's not about the facts. It's not even about the victims. No, you know, and it, and 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 I don't want to take the spotlight away from mm -hmm. that is Michael, from the truth, and that's why we keep moving forward in that. Mm -hmm. You know, we get threats all the time. Oh, but, sure. Yeah, but ultimately, you got to move forward. Yeah. And 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 this is a case that just keeps. It's like it just keeps presenting itself. These clues that come in, they just keep presenting themselves. And what, what I'm finding is it's like I look around the room and we have kind of bricks on the wall here mm -hmm. and we have mortar between the bricks and these yeah. little clues that come in, even though we have the big bricks mm -hmm. in place, every little clue that comes in helps to solidify mm -hmm. the bricks and stabilize that wall until that wall one day is going to become so impenetrable, mm -hmm. there's just no getting around it. Wow. I like that. Yeah. Um, do you guys... Is Tupac a part of your family now, so to speak? You've been doing this for a long time. Has he become a member of your family, so to speak? Well, I mean, Tupac became a member of my family with my son. So, you know, we would listen to Tupac, and then we'd get together. You know, he spent seven and a half years in the U.S. Army. And oh, wow. Okay. He'd come back okay. and, you know, and leave and what have you. And what yeah. did we do? We'd, we'd go drink, and we'd listen to Tupac. <laughs> wow. And so Tupac has been a part of my life, you know, yeah. for quite some time. Yeah. So yeah. even before this, but I would just say that now more than ever, Tupac is definitely a part of my life, and and also, I mean, I uh, I say that about Biggie. I mean, to oh, me, yeah, Biggie is the yeah. one. Biggie's the one that's the the, the most senseless God, of know. them, oh. and so I feel, you know, Tupac liked to like to dabble in the gangs yeah. and what have you. Biggie wasn't like that, and I think Biggie, you know, to me is the more innocent of the two. But now, he had mentioned that that's a whole other can of worms. Like, that's a whole yeah. other trail. So you guys had to kind of pick and choose, right, who you kind of went towards? Well, I don't think we, we picked and chose. I think both of these are related. Okay. I think these cases, okay. you, you can't solve one without solving the okay. other. Okay, okay. And, okay. and so, you know, to me, I think these things are, wow. you know, there, there's no way to separate the two. Wow. But they are forever linked. I mean, in our minds, as they're just as the just the people who like them, and the and the and the same year they were killed. Also, like they are linked in our minds. But for you guys, they're really linked in all the journalism you've done, yeah. investigation. And it can be frustrating too, because uh, in in my family, Tupac is the uncle that comes mm. over for the holidays and stays a while. Yes. And it may stay longer than my wife would like him to stay. Uh, it takes a lot of evenings and a lot of weekends and a lot of Shout to his poster wife. on the wall. Give it to her. Let's give patient, it to her. patient, patient. Yes. And and you know, because it does take you away from, from other things. Yeah. And uh, and in finding that, you know, I and we laugh because I, I promised my wife. Yes. I said, I want to do this book because I'm gonna tell you it's gonna get it out of my system. 
where it would be done. I'm going to purge it. There's no more to be said. I've got nothing more to say. What about year it. I is said it now? Words. 2016. We, yes. I, did you remember my saying? I said, I, we, we, this is all I have to say on the matter. I want to do a book because it's verbose. I'm verbose. Yes. I want to do a book, yeah. and it's all I have to say on the matter. Well, and here we are. Yeah. So thank you for me. But my wife, on the other hand, now my wife, I said that to her. Yeah. So suddenly it's, oh, you want to do something else. Really? Okay, what about that? Oh, well, she knew better. She yeah, knew yeah all right. She's been with me 15 years. Yeah, she knows, she knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I like that. And that, that's actually, on a side, let's talk about that for a second. That's a side of when you're doing something of this magnitude, and this is this is your job, how does that affect your like your life in terms of like personal life and time off or family, kids? And how, does that, how does that work? Well, I mean, what personal life at right. this yeah, point? Yeah, I'm saying, yeah. It's yeah. become very difficult on the on the personal life, and especially because, you know, we don't go places that a lot of people go. Oh, okay. We don't do things that a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, you know, he and I went to Compton the other day. Oh, hey, okay. I mean, I'll go there about it. Everybody, often. everybody goes to Compton. Well, right? I, yeah. I, don't, I don't go there that often, but yes, though, yes. But, but I mean, we didn't tell a lot yeah. of people we were going. Yeah. We, we went down there. We got in. We did. We, you know, we wanted to shoot some video. We oh, okay. Did some interviews okay. and what have you, and then we got out. And wow. And you know, it was about the right time. Mm-hmm. Yes, we started to attract attention. Oh wow, that's crazy! And yeah, I'm sure certain parts of this town you can't go into. I'm sure if they know who you are. Well, the you more can't. videos that are out there, and the yeah. more you know, you Google yeah. Michael Carlin or R.J. Bond. It's yeah. not hard to know what we look like. I mean, like yeah. it, I mean, anywhere in South Central, I'm sure, or parts yeah. of you know parts of L.A. I'm sure you can. I mean, Inglewood, Compton, Watts. I mean, I mean, you know, any place. I'm sure. Well, and I think we got an education that day too, because you know we had somebody from the old school that was explaining to us every street, every affiliation. Yes. Oh every, yeah. And we had no idea. Meanwhile, we have this black car sitting out in front of where we were yeah. with some guy with tatted up prison tattoos on him and standing out there. I, I, I kid you not, I, I took a picture of it because I was stunned where it really became reality that if you're in that neighborhood and they don't know who you are, somebody's getting to the bottom of it. They, they that know true. that, that so is true. intricately yeah. that you're the difference, you're the yeah. delta. And they want to make sure that they know who you are. And you guys have been up to Oakland, obviously. You've been up mm-hmm. there. And, and mm-hmm. so, how, I mean, again, no, well, yep. years ago it was worse than it is. Now it's getting more gentrified. O- O-Town. Yeah, yeah O-Town. I used to live in San Francisco, so I know all that stuff. But so how was your experience up in Oakland, too? Was this kind of similar in some of the, some of the neighborhoods? Very similar. Well, Oakland was, Oakland was, I was up there shooting uh, Tupac the early years, uh, mm-hmm. a documentary that was much more about the life of Tupac rather than the death of Tupac. Okay. And, but, and I was up there with Tupac's old manager, Etrin Gregory. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so we got to kind of the more friendly areas, and it was kind of similar to our experience at Compton, because you're with somebody who's a favored nation, okay. you you don't tend to have kind of those yeah. sideways looks. We did get a lot of sideways well, looks, sorry, you got some, but yeah. it wasn't quite like the sideways looks of hostile. Mm-hmm. It was more curiosity, more mm-hmm. caution. Okay. And I think Oakland was no different you know, okay. for, for every yeah. person that knew who Atrium was or knew who that was that that it was somebody else didn't. Oh, okay. So Got you really you, you try to be very covert, very discreet yeah, when you sure. go through those areas. God, I'm sorry. I I mean I'm just like I you know I, I admire what you guys are doing because what you're doing is activism. You know what you're doing, and it's a little it can be a little dangerous. I'm like I just I just I'm just I admire that you guys have the conviction to like see, see this through. At this point. Well, I think too, you know, going to a place like Compton gives us perspective. Mm-hmm. Because we get to see where this came from, where, you know, Reggie Wright Jr. and Suge Knight grew yeah. up, where they went to high school, where they played football, yeah. and what it was like for them to grow up. 
Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we're talking about gangland USA. Yeah, I know. And, you know, how could you not be affected by it? Yeah. And how could Death Row Records not be affected by it? And yeah. you've got Bloods and Crips in the record oh, yeah. label oh, yeah. coexisting for a time. Yeah. And then, you know, things get out of control. Yeah. I, you know, for me, like I told him last time, I'll tell you, I, I, was, a big, I was a big Biggie fan. I loved his music. I loved his delivery. I loved the whole thing. I became a Tupac fan later mm-hmm. because I believed all the hype at first, and then I finally started seeing things that you guys were doing and other people were doing. Like this guy was well read, smart, had mentors of all of all colors. I mean, like he was a guy who got caught up in thug life, but was really smart. Mm-hmm. He was groomed to be the head of the Black Panthers. I mean, that's right. that's who we're talking about. He they wanted him to become educated. Yeah, they wanted him to read, and he did. It just, it just made me, it made me sadder, kind of. It was like, wow, he, he had all his potential, and who knew if he would have grown out of that phase and became a leader of some sort? Well, he was I one of the opportunity. We, we missed out on something very special, yeah. I think, and that, and that's all the more reason for us to demand justice. I agree. It's time. It's time it for time. us to get arrests and convictions, and the only way that's going to happen is we got to hold people's feet to the fire. Dangling them over, over a, a building. Over yeah, exactly. Dangling them over the edge. Yeah. So, like I said, I was telling you before, if you don't know this, R.J. Bond was on my show before, and you can catch that episode on Breaking Into and Black Hollywood Live. I'm going to read some of the comments that came out of it. Um, so, <coughs> you're going to address some of them. But um, a lot of them were great. 95% of the comments were great. Um, I won't say their names or anything or handles. I'll just read the comments. Uh, good job, R.J. Bond. Keep up the good work. Um, a person actually... Uh, posted a month ago an interview that you did, Michael, uh, TV. You did it in January, apparently. So okay. they, they had posted that. It's a yeah. new interview with Michael Carlin. Uh, good show. Great discussion, guys. Um, keep uh, keep what you're doing, RJ. You do have support, someone wrote. Um, and someone else posted another I think, interview you did at some point. People were saying, need a part two. What is happening? Nice. Of course. Um, let's see. Now, uh, now this one guy writes in here. He's like, um, "This dude is 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 not. It's not even funny. He admits how obvious it is that Suge Knight wouldn't have had what. Make sure their handwriting. They're writing that Suge wouldn't have Tupac killed while sitting next to him. So is that? So we just talk about that. What what is the myth of that? That because he was he was there. Because obviously he was in the car with him. He didn't die. It was Tupac. And I, so I think that's a Russell Poole thing. I think Russell Poole had this huge, you know, chip yeah. on his shoulder about Suge yeah. specifically. Yeah. And they put listening devices into Suge's cell and they tossed oh, Suge's cell. Oh, okay, they did. Okay. I mean, they were trying to catch Suge. Yeah. And they never did. Because there's nothing to catch, right? Well, we get, yeah. And we got heat. You know, we got heat in the two, first Tupac assassination movie. We got heat because we <coughs> said, hey, it didn't matter if Suge was sitting in the seat next to him. Uh, many times an assassin can be standing right next to the person that's going to get assassinated as long as they know the person with the gun can hit the target. And so, you know, was it possible? Sure it was. But the interesting thing to me is that even though 187's come out and we've done a scat of interviews about yeah. talking about how 
Russell's uh, opinions changed, how my research changed what I believe to be true, how that changed our perspective on that. There are people that are still going back 10 years, 2007, mm-hmm. when Assassination came out, oh, yes, yeah. and, and saying, you still think Suge did it. Well, right. you, you got to read the book, right? you know, yeah. first off, but, but they, they keep going back to that. And it's, it's funny to me because they're not bringing a new argument to the table. They're still mm-hmm. trying to attack a 10-year-old belief. Right without a first understanding it, it yeah. drives you nuts sometimes you want to say guys come on catch up yeah catch up you know they, catch up yeah. if, you, if you want to be in the discussion be keep up yeah on the discussion yeah. don't let's not talk about what we talked about 10 years ago right. let's talk about what we talk about right. now yeah. um so it brings up brings up the letter is the letter real well the letter's definitely real yeah yeah that's your answer i mean yeah. let's put it this way we didn't write the letter. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> we were given a yeah. copy of the letter by a very respected Fox 11 journalist okay. who had a storied career, and you know he he believed in the letter. Okay. And he handed it to us. And there's a, there's controversy surrounding the letter. Yeah, people. Some people brought that up. Few people brought that up. The letter. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, and let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, talk about it. Let's talk about Chris Blashford for a minute. Okay. Yes. Okay. You know, it, it's interesting to me, but the attack on Chris Blashford. It seems to be death by death by nah, nah. Oh yeah, nah. That's you know Michael talked about that. Nah, yes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. No, Chris Blatchard is a respected news reporter. Nah, you, you know. But you bring a table and oh, Chris Blatchard brought him a letter and he wouldn't touch it because it was BS and 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 he knew it. Well, then why would he give it to Russell Poole? Why would he give right. it to anybody right. if he? You're you're telling you're stating that this guy intentionally knowingly gave a false piece of information to somebody that gave to him and said, go out and go forth and, and, and look at this right. and promote this. And they keep forgetting that Chris Blatchard also gave a statement to the Los Angeles Police Department and not only verified what he knew about the letter, but additional details to the interview that he did with the person claiming to write the letter. Okay. Robert Saria, the quote-unquote paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah, they, they've which, said that's which they said, which here, there yes. is, And there is absolutely no proof whatsoever okay. of that, okay? They're calling it schizophrenic, pe- uh, schizopedophile. Right, schizophrenic pedophile. Yes, they're calling okay. it that. Now, yes. let's suppose for a minute he is a pedophile. Okay. Let's just put it out there. Okay. Does that make him a liar? No. I mean, pedophiles, maybe because he told the truth. You know, right. yeah, I did it. Okay, yeah. well, there you right. go. Right. Okay, but it doesn't make him a liar. Mm. Um, but, but what was more important is that all came about... In the case, it was in the middle of a divorce. It was in the middle of a, a custody battle, okay. which we all know how those go. Yes, we do. And, and some of us do. Yes. Yeah, and the allegations <laughs> run rampant, and yep. there's ways that you can manipulate the system yep. for that. Now, I'm not here to say that Robert Saria is an innocent man. I didn't try him. Nope. Right. He was convicted in our courts for for uh, underage activity. <clears throat> yes. Yes, and he is not the first person on the planet that's ever been right. convicted of that. Right. Who have gone on to actually be considered to be credible members of the community years later. Right. So that doesn't disqualify him as a credible witness. But even if he was not a credible witness, blaming Robert Soria for the letter is like blaming the postman because you don't like the electric Uh, bill. Okay? Right. He was the guy who brought the letter that the Pattons had dictated, and he brought that letter to Chris Blatchford. Now, Chris Blatchford also got on the phone with the Pattons Mm-hmm. Someone claiming to be the Pattons, mm-hmm. and heard the same thing that was in the letter on the telephone. 
So he had two verifications okay. of that, the letter and the person there. And somebody said, oh, that's silly. Robert Suri was probably the one who made the phone call and pretended to be Patton. Well, Robert Soria was a confidential informant for Chris Blatchford and helped, okay. him, helped him on several earlier investigative cases. Yeah. So Chris Blatchford is going to know what he sounds like on the telephone. Yeah. Be the, me trying to call my wife and saying, oh, this is Inspector right. Dunn from the... Or me calling your wife and saying, right. Hi, I'm, I'm R.G. Bond. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. They're going to know what they sound yeah. like. So that's the dumbest thing I've heard. Now, that came up pretty recently. Now, Soria's sister had nothing to do with this, or did she have anything to do with this letter? Was she part of this whole thing? So brought that up. Is Robert Soria's sister... Yeah was the one who took the dictation okay. Okay. because a lot of these guys aren't the most literate yeah, in the world. Okay. They can talk and they're, right. they're not very good with penmanship and spelling. If you read the letter, neither was his sister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, wasn't, this, this wasn't the bastion of, uh, yeah, you right. know, of, of good grammar. <laughs> she was the writer yeah, of the yeah. group. Oh, yeah. yeah right, right, exactly. That says yeah, something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, right, exactly. So, so ultimately, you know, when, when she puts this, puts this letter out and it, and it goes out full of gram, grammatical problems, yeah. full of mistakes, I have letters from Robert Soria all day long that he hand wrote from prison, and you put the two up next to each other, and there's no way that penmanship is completed. There's got no it. way you wrote okay, that letter. Got it. So, uh, you know, and and whatever the circumstances were of writing the letter, again, Chris Blatchford checked out all of this first, mm -hmm. and he gave a statement to the Los Angeles Police Department. He would not do that if he did not believe what he had to say. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's putting his professional journalistic career he's yeah. an author he's a published author he put a lot of stuff out yeah. about the mexican mafia yeah. uh, this is a guy who is not yeah. going to sit there and just throw a bunch of bs against the wall to see what sticks well you know my my whole point of having you on having you guys on a second time is just that i, I want people to know that you guys really did your research like you were, you were in it this wasn't freedom just post frivolous stuff and just like half-baked ideas like you really did i want to get across people you guys really did your research well there's uh probably 15,000 pages of Russell's case files wow. that we went through. So this is one letter, yeah. and then there's 15,000 pages of support wow. documents oh that we look at now in context of the letter, mm -hmm. and things start to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. And sometimes those little you know, clues, like mm -hmm. uh, RJ was saying, the little mortar, yeah. and we have some big bricks, and then yeah. we start to fill it in with these 15,000 pages, and I mean, it, it, and it was something, too, where Russell was saying that as he was leaving LAPD, they started to purge these documents from the case hmm. files okay. because they didn't want this solved. It kept leading back to corrupt cops, yep. and they didn't want to solve this case because wow. they didn't want to bring their own uh, to justice. Wow. And so they started purging all of these documents. So anybody that would come later doesn't have the evidence that we have. Wow, that's crazy. You guys were in it early on, early on. Luckily, the right time, like you said earlier, the right time. Well, Russell was in it early, and he's the one that walked out yeah. with all of his case files. Yeah. He saw that that stuff was being purged by the LAPD. Wow. He was having a fight with police chief Bernard Parks, wow. and Bernard Parks didn't want these cases solved. And all of the Rampart scandal flows through the halls of Death Row Records. Why, why, this is my big question, why did they not want it, why didn't they want it solved? Because it leads to other crimes, it and okay. it leads to you know drugs trafficking, and it leads to murders, yeah, and it leads okay. to really bad stuff that was going on at LAPD. And Police Chief Bernard Parks wanted to be the mayor of Los Angeles. Oh, there you go. He wanted to mm -hmm. be the governor of California, 
And so, you know, he didn't want this to damage his political career. He had aspirations. He had aspirations. He had aspirations. And there's more to it. Corrupt cops lead to overturned convictions. Oh, Uh, When you're talking about there was a a case with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department in the early 90s where the cops that were convicted of corruption at the time were, um, were convicted and the cases that they had put together, including one drug dealer that was caught with 542 kilos oh of coke. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, 542. That's kilos like two coke. or three. That's like that's that's some coke. That, that takes that takes distribution <laughs> to a different level. He's yeah. got like the Walmart of, of of coke at that point. So he's but but he was let go. Wow. He was let out. They overturned his conviction and let him out because these cops were, were convicted of corruption. So it just put everything in perspective. And if you can imagine pulling that the sweater, yeah, pulling the yarn on that yeah. sweater and watch it unravel, yeah. you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of cases that either had to be retried God. or thrown out. So it really becomes this Pandora's box that gets yeah. opened. And it's sometimes the conventional thinking is it's better to keep Pandora's box closed. Well, and the Rampart scandal alone was, I, I think it was scandal. like $110 million yeah. in uh, payments made. And <sighs> and so, and that was just based on what they actually put into the Rampart sure, right. report. Right. If they had put everything that happened, I mean, the, the city would have been bankrupt. bankrupt. Right, yeah, I'm sure. Which is, the, which is the other thing that was going to happen with the Wallace civil trial. It was going to lead to bankruptcy for the city. And so here again, they, they just had to do whatever they could to suppress it. And yeah. I, I believe personally that they've, you know, continue to try and suppress this. I went to the police commission twice. Okay. I spoke at the police commission. Wow. And those guys were all riveted on me. They, they you know, they heard what I said, but they okay. did not want to go there. I, okay. sent a, I sent a letter to Chief Charlie Beck. Okay. Along with the 45 Tupac murder facts. Yeah. Those were read by Tom Mesereau to Suge in his jail cell. Wow. I mean, I'm, see, I'm sure. I'm sure they did hear you. I'm sure they did. Oh yeah. They, but they were like, mm, okay. But they don't want to touch yeah. it because I'm sure they heard you. Yeah. Because it's going to have a cost. Yeah. And that cost is going to be significant. And that's why I say, you know, until we make enough noise and say, hey, it's going to be more costly to ignore us than it is going to be to solve this. And, you know, I gave heads up to Mike Fuhrer yeah. and Ron Galpern and Eric Garcetti. Yeah. I sent them letters and I said, hey, okay. guys, you better renegotiate with, uh, you know, Valletta Wallace. And by the way, let me put this out there because Michael won't toot his own horn. Okay. Toot you his need horn to understand when Michael, when Michael says he talked to Eric Garcetti, Michael was the former publisher of Century City News. Oh, okay. And so okay. Michael, before these guys were who they are, yeah, yeah. Michael used to travel in those same circles and oh, okay. was part of the fundraising campaigns okay. for Lee Baca and for oh, other okay. people. Oh, okay. And so when Michael says he reached out to and talked to he or did, contacted, he yes, he had the email address, okay. he had the phone. This was not right. a random letter writing yeah. campaign yeah. like somebody from Iowa might write yeah, right. you know, to the president. Right. You, know, you need to look at the Tupac right. case. No, you actually no. talked to them and or no to contacted them. Right. Yeah. And no, yeah. no different than Russ Poole and I went to the yeah. LAPD, the, to the one of the top floors at Parker Center. We met with the chief of police, uh, Kirk Albanese, with three captains from the Los Angeles Police Department with the confession letter in our hands and no intent of releasing names. We were going to use aliases. We we were not going to release those names. The only reason we went to the police department is because Russell felt very strongly, in spite of all the water under the bridge that he had with the LAPD, that that it would look very bad for us 
to put anything out there at all, even as an alias, if the police had any opportunity to investigate this and take these people that were mentioned in the letter by some degree of surprise or some degree of uh, of being able to, to get a jump on them. What happened as a result of that meeting is that letter got leaked. Mm. And when that letter got leaked and people from other camps posted it out on the internet mm-hmm. and put the names out there on the internet months before the book was published, months, mm-hmm. put those out there, what that did was that was the public cry to those people to start getting your bandwagon circled, mm-hmm. talk to who you need to talk to, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna interview you, but at any rate, not only don't talk to the police, but don't talk to Michael or RJ. And we've been hit pretty hard about mm. the due diligence. Oh, R.J. Bond, uh-huh. did you interview Patton's? Did you interview them? Right. We tried, yeah. but the problem is we're not going to get far once you've already put the word out that yeah. these guys are right. have an agenda. That makes sense. That makes and sense. so we're not going to talk to them. So telling us, Dean, yes, we're not doing due diligence is kind of a stupid argument. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind, too, that Suge Knight was shot at One Oak Nightclub six days after the confession letter was leaked onto the Internet. Oh, my God. And and the shooters, when, yeah. as they came up to him, they yelled at him, you killed Tupac. Oh, wow. So are, are you telling me this is not related right. somehow? Of right. course it is. Of course it is. Right. And, 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 it, and it was also uh, within days after the confession letter was leaked, that Suge Knight appeared on TMZ. And he oh, said funny. publicly, Tupac fans need to be asking questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, this from a guy who run around saying Tupac was a liar. Yeah, yeah, right. But he said Tupac fans need to be asking questions and then he gets shot. See, that's... Some things are are irrefutable, right? There's some, there's some things where it's it's right in front of you. It's like it's. Right, yeah. I mean, the the dots have to be connected that hard. Like it's like it's it's right there. Uh, and according to Tom Mesro, um Suge verified that the information that we had in the Tupac, uh, the forty five murder facts. Mm-hmm. He said, "How do these guys know this stuff?" Did your work? That's how you know your stuff. That's how you know he your was, stuff. He was in shock yeah. that somebody had put this together. Right. So. And that's, that's, you know, from Shug's attorney. Okay. And one of the things that, that, you know, because we're doing a lot of rebuttals to a hidden, hidden other argument or a hidden yeah. other side. I love it. I love it. You know, um, You're making your points really clear. I love it. The, the other thing we get dinged on um, is, uh, and Michael was gigged in an interview he did recently about, oh, you guys are ridiculous. This is some grand conspiracy. And the sheriffs are involved, and the LAPD's involved, and the FBI's involved, and everybody's, everything's related, everything's linked, and everything is, is wrong and bad. No. What we have is we have a few individuals who gamed the system. A few individuals starting back 20 years ago who figured out how to game the system for whatever game they could get, whatever their motive was. Right. And they had a few friends, still a small, relatively small group. You have Ocean's Eleven was 11 people. So was that a conspiracy? No, it was a group of people, right? Right. Well, you had these people who knew people, but just because I take a document to the city clerk's office and it's a false document and I give it to the city clerk and they stamp it and they file it, doesn't mean that city clerk is a co-conspirator. The city clerk is doing what they know how to do, but I am gaming mm-hmm. 
the system by pushing a phony document past the city clerk. Well, you know, it's funny you say because I'm a notary, and so there's sometimes we're not required to always read the documents. Right. We can skim them if we want to, but, but it's... if somebody gives you a false document right. or says something that's not true, does that make you part of the right. conspiracy? No, not at all. And that's what they try to do to obfuscate things yeah. and to make it yeah. sound like Michael and I have this ridiculous agenda because yeah. they try to they blow it up to the point of buffoonery yeah that's yeah. not what it is I, I wouldn't you agree I mean this, I, I totally agree this is just yeah. uh, this is a, a small group of people you'd be surprised how frequently these same names keep popping up over the yeah. past 20 years with yeah. very strange situations surrounding See? them yeah. even in current news but the names keep coming back it's a small group of people who have learned how to game the system over the years and it's not, the game has changed. It's not about what we can get away with in the sense of how far we can go. Now it's what we can get away with in the sense of leaving it behind us. Mm. 20 years later, you mentioned 20 years. These people aren't in their 20s and 30s, aggressive young men trying to go mm. and either rape and pillage or, or murder or yeah. take money or do whatever they're gonna do. They are now people that have kids, they are now people who Middle-aged, have, point. have death row 20 years behind them, mm-hmm. who have antics that they may or may not still be involved with. Let's say they're not mm-hmm. 20 years ago. That's a lot of secrets to yeah. be locked up in the closet. Yeah. And for us to be rooting around and uncovering those things, this, they, a lot of these guys have reinvented themselves. Mm-hmm. It's scary to me, and I'm sure to Michael, and you talked about the danger element, is that certain people that are involved with these events either directly or peripherally Mm -hmm. are still active in roles that have not diminished over the course of time you know people work i'm i start off on the floor here and over the years i work at the same job i get promoted 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 the person that was down here doing this as a cop maybe five levels up the ladder and has a little more power than he did. Yeah, man, and right. 20 years later, now we're talking about people's pensions. Oh, yeah, that's We're right, talking about right. the livelihood of their families. Yeah. We're talking about their reputation because even, uh, you know, uh, let's say that whole era is over with and I just decide I'm not doing it anymore, I walk away from it. You see movies all the time about mob guys that walk away from the mob. Yeah. And 20 years later, suddenly these guys are coming around asking questions about it. Well, I don't want to... I don't oh, want yeah, to know from that, but I certainly know. don't want to be reminded of something can happen. No, not at all. There's no statute of limitations on murder. Right, right. I mean, you, guys some, you, guys make some good, you guys make some really good points. Um, do you, I mean, I mean what, what is the one thing through this whole, we'll say however long you guys have been involved in this, 20 years, 15 years, 17, however long it's been, that hasn't wavered for you guys? There were like just one thing, at least from the beginning, when you shook hands and we're going to do this, to sitting here at my, at my desk. What is one thing that's stayed with you this whole time? You know, I, I would just say Russell Poole's, uh, he had the homicide investigator's creed okay. that he had over his desk when he worked at LAPD. And he kept that with him. Mm. And it was, you know, basically that he was going to investigate every murder, regardless of race, religion, creed or any other circumstance because whenever one human life takes another human life it needs to be investigated and solved and the perpetrators need to be brought to justice and to me that's just one of the foundations of our society I mean we need to know that it's important every single life that's here on the planet is important and when somebody rises up to take another life Mm -hmm. that that homicide needs to be solved 
I like that. And we need to bring these people to justice, whoever they are, they are wherever yeah. the truth leads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys believe in justice? Well, stepping back to your first question. Okay, listen, yeah. What I take away from this is that the other camps that have come out recently with their I did it or I solved it yeah. theories and how they think they fixed everything. They haven't solved a single homicide in their entire career. Okay, so wait a minute. So now, Russell Poole solved hundreds of homicides. When you're going to fly in a plane, do you want the captain who's never flown a plane before? Or do you want the captain that's flown hundreds of times to make that landing in turbulent turbulent winds? You're going to bet every single time on the person with experience. You're going to bet with that person. And that gets lost in all of this. You get people out there, investigative news reporters, former cops, former, you know, anybody. And you come out, and and even me, and people say, oh, well, you know, this person thinks that or thinks something else. You know, why do you stick by Russ Poole? Was because that's what Russ Poole did for a living. He closed cases. He closed homicides. He solved Bill Cosby's son, Ennis Cosby, solved that homicide. He, he is constantly, he, he, he just could sniff it out. He's proven. Yes, he can sniff <coughs> it out every single time. He could solve a case. He could solve a crime. So for a person who's never solved a crime in terms of a homicide in his life, mm-hmm. to be saying that he knows more right. about a homicide than a homicide detective knows, I got to go back and say, based on what, young blood? Mm-hmm. Based on what? You haven't solved a single homicide in your career. Right. Maybe you closed a few drug cases from time to time, yeah. but that's a big leap for to a homicide. Yeah. So now you're suddenly going to be put in a position where you think you've solved the homicide. Okay, that's an opinion. Yeah. But don't make it a level of professional reputation because yeah. it that's not your profession. Yeah. You're not a homicide solver. Yeah. We stick with the homicide solver, a guy who had opinions based on years. Yeah of experience yeah. and when he puts out a theory or he puts out a system of facts and he says you know this just smells wrong you listen to you're like i'm listening exactly to that's I'm going the with instinct him. exactly you know you're in a dense jungle and you've got two guides you've got one guide who's never been a guide before you got a guy who knows that terrain like the back of his hand who are you going to stick right. with right. who are you going to follow right well and russell he, although he was controversial and the reason mm-hmm. he was controversial is because he sued lapd Mm-hmm. And he sued LAPD because he kept, you know, investigating and it kept leading to corrupt cops yeah. and they wouldn't solve it. They would, of course. And that. so his reputation is beyond reproach. And the yeah. only reason that I was able to score a meeting with a, a DA investigator, a DA actually, ADA, was because Russell's cases, when he turned them in, the paperwork was always what he said it was. Mm-hmm. There were never any surprises. There were never any statements that were impeachable. Mm-hmm. And he was, that's, that's why he had such a great reputation. And that's why they were interested in reopening this case. Again, Russell Poole and I went to Parker Center. We went to the LAPD. All this water under the bridge and all these attempts by people to sully Russell Poole's reputation. Yeah. We have a letter. We said, we think this is credible evidence. Russell Poole calls the Los Angeles Police Department. Do we get the guy at the front counter answering the phones? No. We go straight to the chiefs. We go straight to the top of Parker Center. They pay for our parking. We park down in a police garage. If Russell Poole was so (coughs) persona non grata with the LAPD, and everybody believed that Russell Mm -hmm. Poole was a kook, We wouldn't have been in Parker Center that day. Yeah. They would have been dismissed out of hand, and that would have the same thing with the LA Sheriff's when he was there. If his reputation 
with other cops hadn't been such that he's smoking something out and saying this is legit we're at least gonna listen because that could have been easily dismissed if yep. it had been me, you, or anybody else, maybe the LAPD would have said, well, send us a copy of the letter. We'll take right. a look at it. Right. Okay? I mean, that's kind of how they handled the whole leak of the letter. You know, well, we'll, we'll look into it. And right. When Russell got right. killed the day after he got killed, they closed our case and said, you know, because Russell was dead. Right. So, you know, it could have been blown off. But because of Russell's reputation mm -hmm. with other cops, I mean, he wasn't pulling strings. He didn't pay anybody any money. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do that. You know, he, he was able to be seen by other cops is so reputable mm -hmm. that we walked in the doors yeah, yeah. up to yeah. the top and had a meeting with chiefs yeah that's amazing it is the story is just the story is just i mean it's sad and it's amazing at the same time because we're talking because we're talking about it like you said a human being yeah, yeah. Two. two i was about to correct myself yeah. two of and them now it's many human beings yeah now, I mean, that now is, we're yeah. talking about all of shook's friends we're talking about frank alexander michael moore oh, yeah. And now we're talking about Russell Poole, and the yeah. Russell Poole thing just defies logic. A man takes two billion heartbeats in his life, and the last 2,000 of his heartbeats are going to the sheriffs, talking about yeah. the Tupac and Biggie cases, and talking about an off-duty sheriff who let the shooters into the club the night Suge was shot at the One Oak nightclub, mm. and then dropped the shooters off at the, at the airport the next day. And he's going there to talk about sheriff corruption, and he dies in the meeting. I know that's that's, that's amazing, also. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that to me just defies yeah. logic. Yeah. And of course, you know, the autopsy comes back, and it was natural causes, yeah. and he had a heart attack, and had a massive heart attack, died before he hit the floor. I mean, and no resuscitation even possible. It, wow. it defies logic. Yeah. And Russell was literally hiking five to six miles a day at the time. Wow. Wow. So much, I mean, so much, so much to think about. I mean, it's everything we talk about, every sentence you say, it's like there's more to think about. Yeah. So I, I, so I get a glimpse into probably what your research was all about all these years. You, you, you're, you're finding new stuff out, and then new answers, and new questions come. And then was, you go this direction, and then there's like this, this, this direction, and there's this direction. I mean, that's just, I mean, it just goes on. It was a period of probably maybe four years that there wasn't a lot of information out okay. there. Probably from 2002 through 2006, 2007. Yeah. There just wasn't a lot of movement. Everybody was kind of in a static position. These people believe this, yeah, yeah. these people believe yeah. that. And then two big things opened up. The Wallace civil case started. Mm -hmm. And then, and Russell's cases kind of got reactivated. Russell got back involved with it again. And then there was the death row bankruptcy. And you know, it's the amazing thing about a bankruptcy case. When some, when you have a business relationship, you agree that you're gonna keep certain things confidential between the two of you. But suddenly when you owe money and you file bankruptcy and somebody feels cheated out of $750,000, attorneys that would normally not say anything about it are drafting 50 and 60 page yeah, narratives yeah. of everything that yeah. happened at Shug's prison and how they yeah. went to the prison and how Reggie Wright took him to the prison and yeah. how he was running things and and really paints this picture and of course that's when the real tongue wagging starts because you have all these people that think yeah. that they were ripped off now's their chance to get their digs in and plead their case yeah. so they're going to tell you 
really what happened. Yeah. And you're talking about artists, Nate Dogg, you're talking yeah, yeah. about uh, adversarial proceedings with the bankruptcy trustee, went after people with yeah. Shug and tried to give some money out to, to set some money aside, yeah. pocket money for after he got yeah. out or whatever, but after, that would survive that bankruptcy and they went after these people. And you got to see the real stories of a, the aftermath of death row, but more importantly, you had people that had motive. There's a thing called the X factor, and yeah. they talk about it in divorces, that, you know, the X factor, ex-wives, ex-girlfriends, ex-business partners, ex they'll sink you in a minute because yeah. they either know where the bodies are buried or they're gonna make up a place where they're buried, one of yeah. two. And so they become very dangerous, and that was where suddenly a whole big piece of the, the 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 puzzle started to come back together again and it started leading to more new questions and that was when right about the time Frank died I had reached yeah. out with Russell and said hey we have this whole new whole new connection of, of leads yeah and he was tied up with the Biggie Wallace trial yeah. so all of a sudden now he's got stuff and, and it really started to come together and we started yeah. kind of collating at that yeah. point because there's just so many places so um so how do you guys feel about Straight Outta Compton? You guys see the movie? Did you guys... I, I love the movie. I interviewed S. Lee Savage, who okay. did the stuff in the beginning. And so now there's a whole talk about doing Welcome to Death Row, mm -hmm. a film on that one. Any thoughts on that at all? Do you think it'll be accurate? Do you think it'll be... Because you guys have you guys are in all this journalism part of it. Do you think it'll be accurate, do you think? Well, I, I think it depends on what story they want to tell. Okay. Right. And unfortunately, the early drafts I've heard of scripts come back and they're all milk toast because okay. nobody really wants to tell the real story uh, of what happened. Okay. I mean, we, we start talking about, you know, uh, some of the, the associates of Death Row Records sure. who, you know, some of them 17, 18 murders that they committed. And, mm. you know, and you start to really dig into the real story. and. You know, and the other thing nobody really wants to talk about is one of the first meetings I had was with Sergio Robledo, okay. who was also with LAPD, and Russell set that meeting up for me. And he said, you want to know where this is going to lead if you continue this investigation? I said, sure, yeah, I have no idea. Where is this going to lead? He said, this is going to lead to the CIA mm. putting cocaine out on the streets of Los Angeles. And I, I shook my head. I mean, I yeah. thought... You know, and I I used to look at conspiracy theorists, and I used to think that they're they're not <laughs> they're crazy. Jobs, you know? They're all yeah. crazy. Yeah. But you know, when you when you get a hundred sources, yeah, and you start to see that it really did happen, yeah, and is that really the story that's going to get told? Is the right. story going to yeah. be told about the murders and about? I think you're right. It's about, what story? What they choose? You're right. It's what they decide to choose. If if they decide that they're going to go real with this, yeah, or just it, a history, like just like straight up, like this is how it started. And, it would be fantastic. Yeah. You, you also have to understand too. I know Lee. Okay. Full disclosure. I I had uh, uh, worked with Frank Alexander on okay. the assassination movies, and okay. Frank. The second movie after Welcome to Death Row that Xenon put out that was successful yeah. with them was Tupac Shakur Before I Wake, and that was Frank yeah. Alexander's story. So over the years, Steve Housden and Lee Savage and Xenon, I, I've had many, 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 okay. many discussions with them. I okay. know them. Okay. So full disclosure there. I'm not I'm not friends with Lee. I've known right. Steve Housden, but, but, but you just know you know, know I know who they are. Okay. The the, the reality of, of, of the situation is there are camps that are separated against each other. Okay. Okay. And you cannot please two masters. Right. You're going to tell a story like Straight Outta Compton that is about certain individuals who were like oil and water with mm -hmm. death row. Mm -hmm. So just think that you're going to 
work with these people over here and find favor with these people over here in a Hollywood is a very political system yes, it is. and yes, that it you're is. going to curry favor with this group yes, of people here and then turn around and tell a story about the very people that they did not portray well in this movie mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to find who your audience is going to be yeah. because you're playing yeah. both sides of the table yeah you're uh, you know playing both up yeah. above and under the table because yeah. You're, you're telling a story. Now, Welcome to Death Row came out many, many years ago. Yep. And it was very heavy on the death row, uh, had everything to do with the murders and, yep. and both murders yep. and, and that. And so now, suddenly in this post-straight-out-of-Compton world, uh, Lee's interviews are on, you know, he's doing podcasts now, mm -hmm. he's doing that. He did um, interviews with me, so yeah. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. And, my show. And so he's doing that, but, but ultimately... Uh, you know, uh, when I think of what Welcome to Death Row might be, based on the people that I know he's associated with right now, mm -hmm. and who he's associated with is based on the interviews he's done on his okay. podcast. So okay. go look at that. Go research that yourself. Yeah. Um, that it is going to have a very different tone than if you guys spin yeah. and tone, even than the original Welcome to Death Row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, sure. and again, that doesn't mean that people can't change their no, minds over no, time. No, no, no. I mean, you know, or change their opinions or their worldview yeah. or water like, things down. Yeah, yeah just exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I, I am reasonably suspect okay. or dubious. I guess would be a better mm -hmm. word about. Uh, I mean, hope he can pull it off. I mean, yeah. he's an Oscar-nominated yeah. writer now, right? I like him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've met yeah. him, so I mean, he likes, it's I mean just, just, I'm just and, curious. We're all in the same and, kind of right. area. But yeah. he's been, he's been, he's been uh, mutual contacts, and people have told me that he's yeah. a, or RJ's too far into the conspiracy theories, and uh, and, the, the, okay. and and that's sad because it's really not that. And if you yeah. took the time to really break it down, it's not. Yeah. But if you want to please the masses, yeah, that's an easy soundbite, yeah. yeah, isn't it? Well, you guys, thank you so much. We have to, have to have you guys back again another time too. It was, it was a continuous conversation. We're going to keep it continuing it as you guys go further into this also. And once it's solved, you got to come back. Once it's actually solved, you got to come back also. Hey, and anybody that uh, you know has clues out there, send them over. Yes, I mean we're always open to you know. Yeah, we didn't say we solved it. Yeah, actually, tell people tell people where they can actually find you guys. I mean, I'm, that's I'm on Twitter, Michael D. Carlin okay. on Twitter, and I'm also Michael Douglas Carlin at gmail.com. There you go. And, and I have the I have the blog Tupac187.blogspot.com. Yes. It's actually both of our blogs. Yeah. It doesn't belong to I me. I have to go on there to go on there and take a look at and, it. And uh, and we do that. We deep dive. So yeah. when we say so and so was doing this, that, or the other, we put the documents up there, highlighted, circled. So everybody we can look at it. Documents, yeah. police yeah. documents. It's out there. Yeah. And recently, there's been kind of been kind of a run on a particular topic. So. Uh, people understand you get on a, get on a rant, you get on a tangent. Well, anybody should know if they go on blogs or, or right. post, they, they're sometimes some, a strain will just continue for a while. Exactly. And then a new strain yeah. will happen, a new conversation yeah. will happen. But kinda... there is, there's there's some yeah. really good conversation going okay. on right now. But again, the best thing about where we stand is, again, A, it doesn't matter what we believe. We put it out there, but it doesn't matter what we believe. But at the end of the day, we didn't say we solved it. We didn't say uh -huh. the case closed. We didn't uh -huh. say it. So there's room for somebody to add something to the conversation or provide a lead where do you go when you say oh the dead guy did it mm -hmm. what are you going to do get more people to say the right. dead guy did it you know right. you really paint yourself into a corner right and well, then where do you go from there and the dead guy who other people saw in another part of town at the same mm -hmm. time i mean with a airtight alibi and eye right. in the sky cameras right. in las vegas right so obviously wasn't the dead guy. yes right right so so you know so that that's the thing and, and, and the blogs 
the, your the, justice for Pac the, on Twitter, of yeah, course. Yeah, justice for Pac. That's right. That's four. The yeah. letter four. The number four. So, so it, it's fairly easy to reach out to. Yeah. Us. Or you can reach me, and I'll pass on. I mean, yeah, one of them. I, I know. Where, I know where I can find them. But we don't, and we don't dismiss anything. Yeah. You want to hear? You want to hear it all? You'll somebody it. wants to say yeah. Oprah did it. You know? Okay. Well, you know, why not? Why the hell not? I mean, you know, did Oprah do it? I don't know. You know. Now you know she's the queen. We gotta be careful. Right, you yeah. say stuff like that. But, but yeah. according to yes. according yeah, to other people, they've been told Oprah did it. Yeah, yeah. And police have said, you know, you'd be amazed the leads that they yeah, I'm sure people calling crazy things. Yeah. But you know what? It's only crazy if it's provably untrue. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, the Ennis Cosby case, there were you know three yeah. or four thousand leads that came in, mm-hmm. and yeah. one of the crazy leads led you. It led Russell right to a skull cap and a gun. Oh, there you go. And it solved the murder. There you go. And right. So you know all it all it needs is a Rosetta Stone, and if you like look that. at if you look at the stuff that that we've seen, it all starts to line up. Yeah. And so we are definitely seeing things that line up. The dots are connecting. And I think the, the weirdest part about it, if you call it weird, is that there's no aha moments. Yeah. I mean, occasionally we call to each other and go, oh, wow. Yeah, you know? right. But when I say the truth just makes sense, it's almost when things are congruent. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to force them with brute force and you yeah. have to whack them together with some sort of uh, a physical bond, no, part, no pun intended. Yeah. But when you when He's you hurt, hurt I know, right? Like, right, 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 but yes. if there's not, if it just fits together yeah. well, it tapers, it feathers together well. Mm-hmm. It's organic. You know, that's what we're seeing more of. And and there's really not much of an aha moment. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Really? Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. And that's really kind of where I'm at with it these days. Right. Is as new things come in and they say, oh, by the way. You know, this may be so and so in the MGM footage. This yeah. could be so and so there. Yeah. Did you ever think about that? We look at it. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, there's a reason it couldn't be. Okay. Yeah. I gotta make sure. I don't know if I'm following you on Twitter. I gotta, I, you just say it now. I don't know if I'm following you on Twitter. I gotta figure that out. Say it again. Yeah. Michael it again. D. Carlin, right? Michael D. Carlin. Yeah, I gotta figure. I know I'm following you. I don't know if I'm yeah. following you. I'm gonna make sure I follow you. Right. All right. I have be email. more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty interesting too. Nah, I'm just flamboyant. Yeah, so that's why. That, that's why it's a good team. Yes. It's a good team there. That's well, thank you, RJ and Michael. Thank sure. you very much. Thanks, thanks for coming for on, us. and thanks yeah. for coming back. No and I will definitely keep you posted on what the comment. Please continue. I just tell everybody out there. Comment on this episode. Go to YouTube. Go to iTunes. Uh, go to Black Hollywood Live. Go to Breaking Into, which is my show, and you can see you can comment on this whole. If you have any questions or comments, or and I will totally we'll talk about them. When I'm back on again. We'll talk about them again. Absolutely, of course. And go to my Breaking Into page on Facebook, of course, and Black Hope LA on Twitter. Thank you so much for watching. And I'll see you next time. Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christie, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. That's absolutely correct. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.